we welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor, challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. The pretext supports it. The text supports it. The post-text supports it. That's what carries it to chapter 9, that goes as far as verse 8, and now says that you, having all sufficiency in all things, can now abound unto every good work. Having in order to abound. It's not an abstract. It's literal. Make sense? We talked about supernatural supply. Supernatural ideas for income generation. Before that, we talked about enjoying and, and, and practicing the grace of giving. Remember? Yeah? Because it was that, in that context that, that Paul talked about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the, that particular grace of giving. So he set an example for us by not withholding back what he had. Make sense? So we also partake in that grace. And he, early he says that, see, as you partake in all other graces, see also that you are bound in this grace also. You know, he says that in, in, that, in that text in 2 Corinthians. See, as you are bound in all these other graces, see, as you are bound in that grace also. So let's go from, um, can we just read from verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 8? Yeah. Just so that we can, it's clear. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in the great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the, switch to NLT, it's more contemporary. They have been tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflown in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it out of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Now see verse 7. Since you excel in so many ways, right? In your faith, in your gifted speakers, in your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. You see that? It was the grace of giving that he was admonishing them to excel in, in addition to other spiritual gifts that they were already doing well in. Does that make sense? Against this backdrop of verse 7, see verse 8. I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. Then we come to verse 9. You know the generous what? Grace. What grace? Verse 7. Go back to verse 7. The end of verse 7. 
also in this gracious act of giving. Switch to New King James. Makes it clear. But as you're bound in everything, see that you are bound in this grace also. Hence, NLT says the gracious act of giving. Stay in New King James. Go to verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Then verse 9, for you know the grace. What grace? grace Give it. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty. So Christ did not just give you riches, he gave you riches through his poverty. In other words, his poverty was on a mission. Yes. Do you understand? Hence it's a swap. So I'm not aspiring to be poor like Jesus. That defeats the purpose. There's nothing nothing Christ-like about me wanting to be poor like Jesus. Because his poverty was on a mission and the mission was me. That you through his poverty. Somebody say through his poverty. By the instrumentality of his poverty. I might become rich. So my poverty is a consequence, my, my wealth, my richness is a consequence of his poverty. In the same way that my healing is a consequence of his stripes. Yes. In the same way that my righteousness is a consequence of the sin he bore. Yes. Yes. In the same way that my forgiveness is a, is a consequence of the punishment that he took. Yes. In the same way that my life is a consequence of the death he died. Yes. Yes. Same thing, if, it's good, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Thank you. Do you understand that? It's the same thing. So his poverty was an assignment. Making me rich. All along. He he wasn't just accidentally rich. He was accidentally poor. He was deliberately poor. So I could be deliberately rich. Now watch this. If he paid attention to being poor. Uncle, you should pay attention to being rich. If it didn't just happen to be poor, don't expect that you two can just happen to be rich. He chose poverty deliberately. He crafted poverty deliberately so that you can come into wealth, which means you two must sit down and deliberately craft what has been given to you so you can look like it. Yes, yes. And it is the gospel. Yes, sir. Put back on the screen, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, first part, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. If he could say all their sin lay it on me and stack up for them righteousness and we agree. He said all their poverty lay it on me and stack up for them riches. It's the same truth. It's the same truth. So I'm going to be rich. You know why? God wills it. (laughs) It's a nice saying. You know how they say, apostles say this is a nice saying and worthy of, of repeating. I'm going to be rich. You know why? God wills it. In the same way, I cannot. Because he took that beating for this my, my health. He paid for it. 
I intend to take full advantage of it. In the same way, for my sake, he was poor. He didn't just accidentally become poor because there was no other available transport company to bring him. It had to be Mary. No, no, no. He looked around and he chose it specifically so that he would arrive poor. Yes, yes, yes. Are you following me? Yes, sir. So that he will arrive poor. So that when he now births me, I will arrive rich. He was born poor. I was born again rich. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do you understand? It's the gospel. And I'm sorry, but you will not cheat me out of it. I, I, I have nothing to prove to you by living a miserable life so you can say I am righteous. Are you the one that died for my sins? So you now start to judge me because I'm living well. I don't know Jesus. Because whoever knows Jesus must look miserable. How we know that you're really, really following Jesus. That you are suffering. I'm serious. That's an insult to the cross. So you're wanting me to dress a particular way. This way you should appear. No. That's not me. I'm going to make the best of my life. On the earth. Because he made the worst of his. On the earth. So that I could make the best of mine. He swapped it. He swapped it. So I unleash that by the grace of giving. I also unleash that by supernatural ideas for income generation. We have taken time to deal with that. You have more than enough to do transactions with. Another way that we unleash that is supernatural favor. Because favor is a part of what we, of our heritage. Favor. I've said over and over that if you paid for everything you have, you're very poor. If everything you have, you bought it, you're very poor. Even if you can afford it. Even if you can afford it. Supernatural favor. Some. Five verse twelve. Before you do that, put back up Romans fifteen and verse four. I, I think I mentioned that on Wednesday. Just so that it gives us an understanding of where we are. Remember that scripture. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, right? That we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope, right? Okay, I just, a while ago I mentioned 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16, all, all scripture is God-breathed, right? And it's profitable for doctrine. Reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. Against that basis, we'll look at Psalm 5 and 12. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. And we know who the blessing is, right? With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. So when I got the blessing, I got favor surrounding me. Yes, yes. Is that a good interpretation? Yes, sir. 
you will bless him. We have the blessing. Yes. David spoke in a promissory sense. Remember? The blessing of the Lord yes. maketh rich and he added no sorrow yes. with it. He, the blessing. Yeah. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. It's a military illustration. A shield protects you from what is thrown at you. And that's what you have in the place of in the person of favor. So the righteous enjoys favor. It's part of the birthright of the righteous. Do you understand? There's a place for what you work and earn. There's a place for what you are gifted just because God is good. Do you understand? Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. You see that again? The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing with he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And just before you think it is performance based, it is gift based. Walk uprightly is another way for saying being righteous. Now we know that he became for us uprightness. Right? He became for us righteousness. That's why we can look at Romans, um, Deuteronomy 28 in the light of Romans chapter 5. One man's obedience. One man's disobedience. Make sense? One man's right standing with God equals everyone who believe right standing with God. Does that make sense? So am I upright? Oh yes. Did I do anything to be upright? No. He did. So I'm good. And because I'm, I'm good, God cannot withhold any good thing from me. Because yeah. I'm upright. Yes, sir. You mean you, upright. Yes, it's not my fault. Mm. You understand? It's not my fault I'm upright. I can't take the credit for it. Mm. So, so it's okay that I don't look like it. Because it's not something I did. It's all that he did. And so I can appropriate that scripture because no good thing will he withhold from there that walk uprightly. And am I upright? Yes. Through whom? Christ. And therefore I qualify for every good thing that the Father has. That's why Paul would say in Romans 8 and 32, if he did not spare his own son, right? But freely give him up, give him up for us. How will he not along with him freely give us how many things? So why do we have all things? Because God cannot refuse anything from you if he gave you Christ. I repeat, Christ is the best that God can do. Christ is the best that God can do. Christ is the best that God can do. God does not have the ability to refuse anything from you if he did not refuse you, Christ, when you did not deserve him. God gave you his best when you did not deserve him. It's not mundane things that he will withhold from you when he could not withhold his best. So I've come into every good thing the moment I came into the reality that is Christ. I came into a good home. Whether it is preached to me or not. I came into a good marriage whether I submit under a ministry trainer of marriage or not. Because you know how people make you believe that if you have not been trained and gone through a, a marriage expert you know who takes you through marriage seminars you, you are likely to not have a good relationship. 
You, you know what I mean? There's people like that. But you don't have to preach a good marriage to me. I inherited it. Are you following me? Is it good if we can have marriage preached to us from the standpoint of Christ? Oh, yes, absolutely. But can, can, can you prosper? Can you enjoy it even without knowing what the fullness of what it is? Yes. Because you're paid for. Does that make sense? Are you righteous because you know? Is it your knowledge of righteousness that makes you righteous? You believed, and so it was credited to you. It's believing. So you have Christ. When you didn't deserve him, you can't lack a good thing yeah. now that you are him. Yeah. 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 You didn't deserve him. You were enemies of God. He reconciled you to him. Now you are in him. You should lack no good thing. Favor is my heritage. Can you say that? Say it again. Say favor is my heritage. So as you, as you live your life, be disposed to enjoying, be disposed to enjoying favor. Because you see, as much as it is yours, you have to be disposed to it. Some of us are suffering because we have carnal, sensual pride. You can't enjoy a favor. You can't call him a favor. Because you believe that you must work for everything. Or they will look at you funny. If you ask that you need something. In many respects, you are the answer to my need. I'm the answer to your need. And vice versa. We are interconnected. And the favor you did not live by is the favor that will bury you. <laughs> Most of the time we come to do stuff for you. It's not favor. We're doing it for the dead. Yes. Think about it. Or else we'll be charging you for service of songs. <laughs> Think about it now. No matter how much money a person has, favor still buries the dead. Mm. Is this helping anybody? Yes, so you might as well cash in on favor. Yes, in the day of favor. Yes. And the day of favor is now. Yes. Don't be afraid. Predispose yourself to favor. Predispose yourself to enjoying what God has in store for you as somebody else is the custodian of. Do you understand what I'm saying? As somebody else. Because part of the package you have is in the custody of somebody else. Does that make sense? Listen. There is a thing called supernatural favor. There is. God knows how to look after us. He knows how to. I mean, he sends ravens to feed people. He sends widows to feed men. He doesn't have a problem looking after us. He was the one that told them in Matthew 6, look at the lilies of the field. Your heavenly father clothes them. He says, look at the sparrows. Your heavenly father feeds them. He said that they neither toil nor reap. But your heavenly father feeds them. And then he makes one of the most reassuring statements in the entire New Testament. He said, are you not of more value than this? He, t he chose very mundane things, lilies. He said, and Jesus, man, Matthew 6 is very provocative. Jesus said, not even, I said to you, not even Solomon in his grandeur was more dressed than these lilies. 
You know why? Because I dressed them. Do you understand? You get it now? So he wasn't, he wasn't saying that if you look at Solomon's outboard appearance and you look at the lily, the lily is finer than Solomon. Because obviously that's not possible. Do you understand? Solomon's servant's dressing. He couldn't saw it and fainted. First Kings chapter 10. So when she saw the apparel of his servants, the goblets with which he drank, the private way by which he went into the temple, the array of his stuff, has, there was no more spirit left in her. She passed out. And she was not a baby queen. Sheba was one of the most powerful monarchs in her time from Ethiopia. Sheba is modern day Ethiopia, part of. So she's not, she was not some cheap inferior. She was so wealthy that she carried what she thought was enough wealth to make Solomon go mad. Go and, go and read it. She had heard about his fame. She thought there's no way a king can be this rich. Let me carry riches and show him what riches is. She arrives there with her caravan, 1 Kings 9 to 10. And when she saw servant, she passed out. When she passed back in, there was no more spirit in her. Go back to the message. Let's see the message. Same verse. I've never seen it in the message before. Yeah? <laughs> The Hebrew word for it is that the spirit literally left her. She, she literally passed out. And when she came back round, guess what that thing did? It caused her to bless his God, whom she did not know before then. So, excuse me, there is something about excellent service delivery that glorifies God. Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. Sloppiness doesn't glorify him. Does it mean that everything excellent is of God? Not exactly, but everything of God is excellent. Do you understand? The fact that it is excellently presented does not mean that it is expressly as it were. I mean, it is of God, technically speaking, but doesn't mean that God is as it were behind it. But God could not be behind something and it is not excellent. That's why my personal mantra is that my best is the least that my God deserves. If he's God, he's got to be good. He's got to be perfect. And if he isn't, we know it isn't and we are leaving no stone unturned to ensure that it absolutely glorifies him. No. Even if it's for 10 people, it can be perfect. Genesis 1. And he stands and looks at everything he does and says, "Uh uh-huh, it's good. If he wasn't good, he'll fix it. Every time he checks his own work out, his own work out, and he says it's very good. He kept appraising himself all the way. He didn't just assume because he was God, he was going to be all right. You can't assume the same either. Yes, yes, sir. He didn't assume because he was God, he was everything just good. He would check it. Like, God, is it good? El Elyon, is it good? And then God, El Elyon, will answer together, all of them, God. Will answer, very good. Okay, very good. Aha, on the basis of that, evening and morning, day one. 
each aspect of creation was not signed off until it was declared and certified good. good. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go and read it now. Yes, sir. Oh, it's very likely. Because at the time that something was declared good, it was finished. Yeah. At creation. Mm. No, no. If something showed up with three legs and like that, God said, what, my friend? I said. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, good. Yeah. Good. Elelion, good, 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 good. Evening and morning, day two. No day was signed off without the initial certification that what had been created was good. He's a perfect God. And I have that speed of perfection. So she saw him and she passed out. First Corinthians 10. So it couldn't have been said that the lilies are more grand in appearance than Solomon and his servants. When Jesus said it in Matthew 6, that even Solomon in all his array was not as adorned as these guys. He was saying it's because I, I dress the lilies. Nobody can dress himself more than the measure, measure that I dress somebody. Yeah. And then he goes on and says, are you not of more value than this? If your heavenly father can do that, then man, he can look after you. Do you understand? Yes, sir. There's favor. Be predisposed to favor. Yeah. Let me wrap this up. Another way that God helps you to abound. Multiplication of cheerful, willing giving into ministry. Multiplication of cheerful, willing giving into ministry. Galatians 6, 1 to 10. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one. Let's, let's, let's take it in the NLT, just so that it's easier. Dear brothers and sisters, if any believe, another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should... In fact, let's just look up and deal with that. We're in a Bible class, right? Master class. You who are godly should um, harshly excommunicate that person. Rubbish and embarrass the person so that the whole church will know what the person did. Gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. But gently and humbly restore such a one. Because, put the verse up, if any believer is caught in a trespass, don't forget that. Put it back up. If another believer is overcome by some sin, who was overcome by sin? Let's finish, Joe. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful to not fall into the same temptation yourself. That's why you need to do it gently and humbly, because it could be you next. Let's keep going. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God, watch this now, should provide for their 
teachers. Is that in the Bible? Sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Stay there. What are we talking about now? Giving. In the context of ministry. To those that teach you God's word. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Are we together? Yes. It couldn't switch at verse 7 to a different thought coming from verse 6. Verse 6, verse 7 has to be interpreted in the light of verse 6. Are we together? Yes. Exegesis. Yes. Go back to verse 6. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, not secondary school teachers or primary school teachers or university teachers. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers of the word of God. Is it clear? Okay. Should provide for their teachers sharing all good things with them. Seven. Don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God, you will always harvest what you plant. King James says you reap what you sow. Keep going. Verse 8. We're going all the way to verse 10. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Sharing good things. Hmm? Verse 6. At, the just, at just the right time, we would reap a harvest of blessing. You will reap in good season, new season if you don't, if you faint not, right? If we don't give up. Verse 10. Last verse. Therefore, therefore, yeah. on account of what has just been said, yeah. whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So there's a, there's a harvest involved for doing good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There's a harvest involved for doing good to your teachers of God in the Word. Yes, sir. There's a harvest involved for doing good to everyone. There's an especially good harvest for doing good to those in the household of faith. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, so it turns out that we are giving out of love and out of our understanding of the culture of the kingdom, but at the same time, there's a harvest. Yes, you can expect to be looked after because we look after. Do you understand? Yes. You, can, you can expect to be looked after because you look after. Conversely, my brother, if you're not looking after someone, you'll have a hard time being looked after. Mm. Especially if you neglect those that teach you the word of God. Yeah. There is something you unlock by ministering good things to them that teach you the word. Yes, there is something you don't unlock by withholding from doing that good. Yes, Scripture. New Testament. Galatians 6. Yes, Paul speaking. Mm. Paul speaking. So doing good, it turns out, is, is good business. Yeah. It's good business. Good returns. Doing good business. Might not feel good at that time. You know, you feel the pain, you feel the pain, you feel the pain. But it's good business. Because if you, if you hang in long enough and don't give up just before, you're reaping good season. So do, do not weary in well-doing. Every time you get the opportunity, do good because you're storing up for yourself a well of harvest. 
If you, if you, if you sow to your flesh, it's talking about your selfish desire in the context of Galatians 6. Not sin. Do you understand? Yeah. Your brother falls, you kill him, you don't, you don't restore him to the faith. And then your pastor teaches you and you don't minister to him. You are selfish. You are sowing into your own desires. That's the context of Galatians 6 so far. Are we together? Yeah. Somebody falls in sin and you smash them. Throw stones at them. Ridicule them. Because we didn't find out your own. Just because we didn't find out yours. And you, you, you consider yourself more important. And the scripture says clearly, verse 3, right? You're not that important. And then your pastors teach you God's word and you don't minister to them in material things. You're being selfish. You're being overcome by your own desire. And if you sow into that sinful desire, you will reap corruption. Do you understand? But if you sow into the spirit, you reap eternal life. So there's something about doing good that accrues reward. Those are the kind of rewards we're going to get when we stand before God. That's why some people will be empty, totally empty and irrelevant. And others will be immensely decorated. But their works will be burnt with fire on this other side. Some people will be saved, nothing to show. So there's good to be, there's good to be done to the body of Christ. There's good to be done to those that labor over us in the preaching and teaching of the word because that's good ground for harvest. Learn it. Learn it at your level where you are. Stretch. Learn to be a blessing. Learn. Train yourself no matter how little. To be the one that encourages somebody beside you. Somebody comes to you and, I mean, do you know what I deal with? Somebody that's already broken doesn't need me to tell them they are broken. And now come and start to heap woes on you. See what you have done to yourself. This is what happened to your school now. What your parents think of you? Society. Can you even afford this thing? Do you have the money? Eh? What, what are you thinking? What does it change at that point? So you're already there. It's my job to get you out of it. That's the wisdom of God that is first peaceable, pure, and loving. Something that crushes you. You know you messed up. You know you messed up. We know you messed up, but yeah, we, we could mess up next. So let's treat you how we would expect to be treated when we are in your shoes. When. When. When we are in your shoes. So there's harvest to be, to be made, right? From doing good to your brother, especially when they are down. To those that minister over you in the teaching of God's word, right? Because in doing that, you're sowing into the spirit and not sowing into the flesh, right? Okay, Philippians 4.19. Against this, it's the same premise, you know. The Philippian church had sent stuff through Ephrathodotus, right? To Paul, Paul had supplied everything he needed. And on account of that, he said, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, riches in glory, which have been, I like this, given to us in Christ Jesus. Glorious riches which have been given to us. Do you know how I like the original language? 
I took the time to look up the word riches in the New Testament as Paul uses it. And it's the word plutos. P-L-O-U-T-O-S. Plutos. And you know how sometimes like I started the meeting by saying that sometimes I want to be very mischievous and you know, so this one is literal, this one is not, this one is symbolic, this one is metaphorical, this one is similar, this one is ojomoron, this one is, so it's, you know, boom, so hyperbole. So I, I like to check the original language. And I went and checked the word, is Plutos, P-L-O-U-T-O-S, for which is every time Paul uses that word in the context of Second Corinthians um, 8, 9, and, and, and Galatians and Philippians, the word riches is the word Plutos, and Plutos cannot be without physical wealth and supply. Wealth, abundance, supply. If you have Bible study, uh, uh, .cc, or Bibles, Bible Hub, you can check it in the lexicon. Check it when you get home, Plutos. So when you say, my God shall supply your needs according to riches in glory, it's not just referring to abstract riches. You know, as per riches of grace, you know, riches of mercy, riches of, it includes physical supply. It includes it. Be persuaded about it. Yes. It includes it. And why did Paul release that, as it were, blessing of abundant supply? Because they gave into the work. Yes, sir. Are you following me? Yes, sir. They gave into the work. Plutos, abundance, wealth, riches of many kinds, spiritual or material. I'll give you a few things I put down here about how I walk in abundance. I believe that Jesus paid for it because that full persuasion is where he has to start. I accept it. I confess it daily. I walk in the consciousness of the blessing. I walk, W-A-L-K, in the consciousness of the blessing. I am open to stirrings of the spirit. You know Romans 8 says, as many as I led, by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. So the Spirit of God can tell you what style to sow. Yeah. It can tell you where what you're looking for is hiding. It can tell you when to invest your money. It can tell you when to go out and you meet the right person. That's his specialty. He's Mr. Fix-It. He's Mr. Fix-It. I showed you that story two days ago about Isaac being led to sow in the land where there was famine. And reaped. He only reaped what he reaped because he was led, he was prompted to sow and he obeyed. Does that make sense? That's why Ecclesiastes says, He that considers the wind will not sow. He that considers the wind will not sow. So I am open to the stirrings of the Spirit. I appropriate and maximize my God given natural abilities. I've talked about that a lot, right? I am hardworking and diligent in my business. Acts 18, 1 to 3, 1 Corinthians 4, 12, Ephesians 4, 28, 1 Thessalonians 4, 11. Acts 18, 1 to 3, 1 Corinthians 4, 12, Ephesians 4, 28, 1 Thessalonians 4, 11. I appropriate the grace of giving. Right? We talked about that. Give generously to the work of ministry in the house that I am situated, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and of course chapter 9. Lastly, I am disposed to favor. I believe Jesus paid for it, one, two, I accept it, three, I confess it daily, four, I walk in the consciousness of the blessing, five, I am open to the stirrings of the spirit, six, I appropriate and maximize my God-given natural Abilities. Seven, I'm hardworking and diligent in my business. 
Eight, I appropriate the grace of giving. I give generously to the work of ministry in the house I'm situated. And nine, I am disposed to favor. You got it? This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.